0: Dear fellow athletes, let me start with the good news first. We all will be able to celebrate the uh, Olympic Games Tokyo 2020, even if it's only in 21. In order to uh, safeguard uh, their, uh, the health uh, of uh, the athletes and everybody involved in the Olympic Games and to make a contribution to the containment of uh, the coronavirus, Uh, We agreed uh, to postpone uh, the uh, Olympic Games uh, Tokyo 2020 to uh, 21, latest uh, summer uh, 21.
1: This morning we learned tennis's first major has fallen victim to the coronavirus pandemic. Wimbledon has announced it will be cancelled for the first time since 1945.
0: It is with great regret we have to announce the cancellation of the Eurovision Song Contest 2020 in Rotterdam. The escalating spread of the coronavirus throughout Europe and the restrictions put in place by many governments and the Dutch authorities makes it impossible for us to host a live event as planned.
2: Nothing said that the world was in difficulty quite like the cancellation of... The Olympics, Wimbledon, Eurovision, events that were a big deal not to be happening in 2020. But it's not just the big events which have taken a hit this year. Whether you were expecting to host an internationally recognised consumer event, such as the Olympic Games, or an industry-specific event run by, for example, the FT Live team.
0: Personally, I mean, I've said this to a number of people, I don't think you could have written a more worst-case scenario <laughs> for, for events and for the events industry
2: or even a local dog show.
0: COVID hit this year, which sort of wiped
3: the the outdoor events out.
2: Coronavirus has upended plans. And this is something that no events company could have planned for. Back in February, Nick Luff, Chief Financial Officer at Relics, wasn't too worried about the outlook for his company's events business.
0: In terms of exhibitions, uh, it's it's clearly too early to say uh, what will happen as the coronavirus evolves I would just emphasize that a lot of our business is is local to local. You know, most of our exhibitors are from the country in which they're exhibiting, um, and even more so as far as the attendees to the exhibitions are concerned. Clearly, we do have some more international shows. Um, so some of, some of them are um, you know, broader and have involved more people traveling. So if there was an impact on... Travel uh, more generally uh, rather than just being something specific in one region, that clearly could have an impact. Um, you've seen, you know, we have already rescheduled some shows uh, that may be necessary in other places. We'll have to see, but it's too early to say.
2: Since then, the division, which admittedly accounts for just 16% of group revenue, has reported a 70% decrease. Listed events businesses which have reported numbers this year have had some grim reporting to do. Essential, which makes a lot of money from events, reported interim revenues down 40% in its half-year results. Informa, which makes most of its money from B2B exhibitions and other events, reported a 42% decline in revenues in the first half. Hive, which used to be called ITE, runs many exhibitions around the world and actually bought a number of Essentials events businesses a few years ago, has had an especially tough time. Annual revenues set to be announced at the start of December are expected to be less than 50% of what they were this time last year. To understand what's going on in the events industry, John has spoken to two people whose businesses have been upended by coronavirus. As ever, this is not your normal finance show. First up, let's hear from Ed Cutts, who is the Global Head of Commercial for the events wing of the FT group, FT Live.
0: We normally run about, as I say, 200 physical events a year um, around the world from sort of Chile to Shanghai. Um, but in the last, well, since March, obviously things, things took a bit of a turn, a massive turn. I don't think you could, personally, I mean, I've said this to a number of people, I don't think... You could have written a more worst-case scenario for for events and for the events industry. Um, you know, there's a pandemic globally, literally turned the industry on its heads, uh, pretty much overnight. I mean, we we had a I say overnight for us. I mean, we actually, and this was actually sort of a, if you look at the time frame. I guess we benefited a little bit. At the ft from being a global business in, in, a, in a, both in terms of being a media owner and and and, and um an events business within a media owner, which which ft live is because we obviously had you know, the, the this when covid sort of broke in asia um we obviously got a lot of operations out in asia both you know editorially um and commercially so it was sort of i guess a month or even two months prior to When it came over to Europe, things were starting to happen over in Hong Kong. So um, our office there went into uh, isolation. Well, individuals went into isolation, obviously, in lockdown, essentially, well before um, things started to happen in Europe. So I guess we started to get to know how to work remotely as a company um, and also come up with a strategy as to how that would um, how we well rather sort of come up with strategies to how to work from home and get keep the business running during that period so we learned some quick lessons i guess in the far east um which was there which would then as i say we could then inform the rest of the businesses to how to sort of best deal with with what essentially was coming and i think we we could see it was coming i mean the the, the news was pretty bleak um and we started making plans pretty quickly as to how we were going to cope with this you know, it was it was quite clear, I think, that you know, looking around the world, that events were not going to
1: happen. Um, so, so tell us about tell us about what you did. So obviously you, you had to turn your strategy on a sixpence. What what did you yeah. what was it you thought? Right. We've got to do this. They day, won. Day everything's changed. What are we are going to do?
0: Well, day one was, I guess, to all intents and purposes, we were a physical events business that had no digital capacity when it came to the execution of events. Clearly, we've got digital platforms, but we weren't pushing out the content through digital platforms, if you like. Yeah, um, So, you know, so our FT Live's website, to all intents and purposes, was a, was a calendar of our events that you registered for and then you turned up on the day, right? <laughs> if you were the right person, right? And then, so that essentially went out the window. It's how do you then fit the different shapes of technology that are in the market or the you have in a proprietary context into the different shapes and size of events you do because running a roundtable for 15 people on a zoom or Google hangout or meets its environment is is a lot more easy to execute and can be done in those on those kind of platforms over a two-day conference for thousands of people with days of content
1: and and hundreds of sessions so so I mean in terms of a conference, how do you deliver that digitally? You know, these are these are events where thousands of people, as you say, turn up. A lot of the value in them for, for delegates is is the networking opportunity, yeah. um, which obviously you, you know, is much more difficult digitally. How have you replaced the experience of a conference in the virtual world? <laughs>
0: um, it's, it, I mean, it's
1: well, it's difficult. I'm going to say that firstly. I mean, you know,
0: events by nature are a human thing. They are from start to finish. It's you know, it's a human business, right? And um people enjoy events because of the human nature of them, so to remove the human nature of the event you're removing a massive part of the value um but the good news is is that the whole world's in the same kind of situation so there really wasn 't much else of a just you know, see what i mean it 's yeah. like although, although you know there 's no choice we 're all sitting at home right so um and in in that regard, it gave us a good opportunity i guess to to make make things work. <laughs> I guess online, I mean, look, first and foremost, I think what we've really benefited from with things going online, if you look at the positives, is the – it's two things, really. It's the content, um, i.e. the ability to get people to engage with the content but also get people to, you know, take part in the content, I guess. I mean, in terms of access to speakers, clearly, you know, when we're running an event in New York and we want – if we wanted Boris Johnson there – you know, he'd have to hop on a plane to get to New York, you know, or, you know, conversely, if you wanted somebody from the US or the US Senate to come to London, you know, you, you know, for a London conference, it's just not going to happen. Whereas, you know, now you can convene people from a speaker perspective at any time, anywhere. And I think that that has really, really helped us. And we saw um, with our global boardroom event that we ran, um, which was an event we we launched and we well, from conception to execution, we ran a global conference over three days, convening or well, registering 55,000 people um, and having, you know, I think representation from pretty much every major country in the world, every major industry. I mean, if you look at the speaker lineup of that, I mean, you've got ex vice presidents of the US to you know, CEOs of major, major, major um, international companies and, and some of the biggest policymakers on the planet all coming together over two and a half days. And we were able to pull that together in 41 days digitally. There is no way we'd have been able to do that in a physical form. Um, and as I said, to that point of fifty we'd have never got anywhere near that much engagement running that in a city of a day or three. Uh negatives, obviously, you know, you, you talk there about the networking. Clearly, um, you, know, you know, you've got social media platforms that, that have been out for a while, which offer kind of inverted commas and networking online. You know, you talk, talk to sort of platforms like LinkedIn, where people spend a lot of time and do their sort of, I guess, professional networking. Um, conferences are different. Conferences is where you go to meet new people. It's where you go to talk very candidly about what's going on in your industry. It's where you go to learn. Um, now online how do you replicate that how do you replicate those serendipitous moments of you know having a coffee and seeing that person you always wanted to go and talk to for your next job or that you wanted to go and get a a bit of information from in terms of how a competitor's doing it's so difficult to replicate that online and I think that's probably one of the main challenges we've faced is how how to replicate the networking you know it, it takes time and I think one of the when I say good results, it's good results as much as we can drive it because it takes the consumer's engagement as much as it does the desire of the media owner to get people to engage. Fundamentally, there's got to be a will and a desire from the market to engage um, online in networking. And I think that you know people are getting used to this new world and how it works and how they can navigate and, and network online.
2: And now let's hear from Dave Hunston, who's the founder of Content Creation Agency Hub. Which has managed to capitalise on the shift to online events.
1: Now, you're not traditionally an events business, are you? But but you've sort of become one by accident during this pandemic. Tell us about what, what your business has traditionally done.
3: So we're traditionally we're a content agency. So we we create content for for brands, um, uh, global brands uh, that are looking. Well, generally we sell into the marketing department, um, and it's all forms of content. So from videos, articles, white papers, and any form of content that's got a commercial aim or, or objective.
1: So you, you, you had a webinar part of your business, but, but when we've spoken before, you said to me that it was actually very small in the past in comparison to the content side of things. Tell us what's yeah. happened in the last uh, sort of six months or so.
3: So it's just gone bananas, to be honest. It's um, we 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 had the webinar business, and we you know the, the core functions of that are that you've got you've got to do live streaming. You've got traditionally we did a lot of it out of a studio, but of course it doesn't have to be in the studio. It can be people people dialing in from their home. So when um, when uh, in early March the phone just started ringing off the hook. Everyone suddenly wanted to start doing uh, more webinars just to keep their communications going out to all their clients but then we realized that actually that we started to get a lot more uh, traffic and inbound traffic coming around the two words virtual events and um, that was a that was a that was really a game changer for us because a virtual event is just uh, you know uh a a number of different live streams kind of connected together so in a way we we kind of pivoted our business pretty rapidly um to take take advantage of this uh this all all these new inquiries
1: that were we're kicking off So, so a webinar is a sort of single stream a virtual event is almost like an event but but how does it work explain it to me
3: a virtual event in well in my I'm sure that there's countless different explanations I and mean, hopefully there won't be too many of your listeners that are thinking that's not what virtual events are but in my in my mind so a, a, a webinar is a single stream that uh, may be made up of a couple of speakers um maybe an hour could be a couple of hours that's 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 what in my mind what a webinar is one to many um Uh, A virtual event, you can suddenly start connecting up lots of different streams. So these could be on different stages. So you could be running three streams simultaneously. But you start having other functionality on on the platform as well. So you can be taking uh, audience members out into different breakout rooms. You can be uh, having video discussions uh, between speakers and uh, the guests um you can add in a whole load of uh, uh, other interactivity in there as well so that to me is a much fuller richer experience
1: than a single stream webinar uh, absolutely now we've done a few webinars ourselves and the, the platforms seem a little bit clunky i mean was this something that you encountered as you've been been trying to sort of f- first of all build up the webinar business and then flip it to this virtual events uh, approach instead has the technology been there to support you
3: there's, I mean, we've, we've had to go through a lot of, um, trial and error with, with testing out different platforms. Um, and there's, there's, there's a huge variety of, of quality on the marketplace. Um, when you look at virtual events, that, that is even bigger. Um, the, the, uh, and it, it, there's, as you can imagine, since March as well, it's been a bit of a, there's been a huge explosion in the amount of virtual events suppliers out there. Um, so we've, I think we spent you know, about two months, really, almost on demos pretty much every, every day, checking out all of these different platforms, checking out all of the different uh, specifications that you have, because all of them offer slight, something slightly different. Um, so it can be a bit of a minefield. I'm not surprised that you've had a few bumpy experiences.
2: And how about the future? What does that look like for
3: the events industry? From conversations I've been having with, because a lot of of clients now are are people that are used to putting on events, and the the common thread amongst them is, wow, you can suddenly really expand it, and we don't have a capacity limit anymore. And I think what's going to happen is that when events come back, they're going to have this virtual plug-in element to them. Everyone's calling those hybrid events now. But I think that that's going to become the new norm um, because people have suddenly realised that they can get scale and they're not limited by geography anymore um, or venue size.
1: We, um, we used to do live events here at, at the FT. And, and as you say, we're capacity constrained. And, and, and you know, the first webinar we did, I think we had 1,500 people on it, which obviously we can't squeeze into our room upstairs. Um, but, the, but, the, but the thing we haven't been able to do, which we used to do, is charge people to come to those events. Um, you know, how do you create an event... Uh, that, that's virtual that, that that people are willing to pay for.
3: Well, I think again that the, you, you've re- as, as there's been so such more of an increase now in in webinars and virtual events that you've really got to start um, showing your audience why 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 you know why should they bother to actually spend that spend that time with you? Firstly, why should they invest that level of their their half an hour or their hour out of their day? And for me, a lot of that goes back to my my um, my my old life, which is about um, uh, the quality of the content itself. It's about the production quality. It's about how much effort you're putting into the structure of the content,
1: but also the execution of it. The other thing that we've we've noticed that you can do with events is is gather data much more effectively is uh, is data now that the sort of currency of the events world, you know, actually gathering customer data.
3: Well, I think a lot, a lot, you know, people, are, people are often amazed at how much uh, insight and analysis you can get from that. So most events were going to require that you sign up uh, with your name, email address. They can ask for a whole whole host of other material. All of that information is then gets fed into a, a, a CRM system, customer relation management system, like a Salesforce or a Pardot. There you can then start uh, registering. Every time you have a transaction with that customer beyond the life of the webinar itself, so it's a great way of uh, brands and businesses feeding you into that into that cycle, which they'll then start um, trying to communicate with you for, with other communications over the course of a. Of, um, you know, a 12 month period, however, however long. Um, so that data is suddenly becomes very, very powerful as people start to nurture you. You can, you know, the, the the data that you get off, off of an individual virtual event or webinar, you can start seeing what people are engaging the most. If they've rewound over certain sections, if they've downloaded assets, if they've asked questions about if they've, um, how they've responded in polls, you can really start to, uh, build up a, a, a good picture um of the the profile of that
1: customer so dave just to finish off tell us about something really exciting that you're working on at the moment where 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 the you know the virtual event world has enabled you to do something before that is that that is just you know mind-blowingly different and 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 takes you into areas that that, that actually you know really sort of excite you as a as, as a as a content guy and, a, and, a, and an events guy down.
3: Well, I mean, it, what what I like is that how 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 brands are getting much more risky with what they're doing. So we're we we're, we're putting on an event at the moment for a client, and they, they they're financial financial services brand, but. In you know they want their audience to be super engaged throughout the whole event. It's a the event is it's about three hour event. So we've got we've got um well world, class DJs that are playing at the event itself, which I love being in it, being an old vinyl
1: boy. Who would that be, Dave? Who would that, who's that?
3: Well, they, they've got they've got one of the D, one of the DJs from uh, uh, Fun Loving Criminals that's playing for them. Huey. Uh, not that one. Oh, the other one. <laughs> um, and then we've got we've got world class comedian that's finishing off the set at the end. And I and I and I just think that the fact that you've got financial brands doing this is fantastic. Um, and we're getting we're getting really other sorts of quirky little interludes in, in between these uh, between all of these virtual events that you just you just wouldn't otherwise get. And I think I think that's going to
1: happen a lot more. Sounds uh, sounds like we've got to up our game, Dave. I'll give you a call. Thank you very much, Dave. That's been absolutely brilliant. Thanks for having me, John.